Okay, well, look, that's the title of my talk this morning. God's agonizing preference for character over comfort. Now, that title probably tells you something more about how I feel about this particular subject than anything else. Um, uh, but before we get going, I'd like us to read some scriptures together. Oh. Oh, am I fighting somebody? What's happening? There we go. Thank you. Right. So Romans 5, 3 to 4. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character, hope. James 1, 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Behold, uh, behold, beloved, thank you, close, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Last one, Job 10, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Well, good morning. I have come to a very profound conclusion about something over the last few months. Would you like to know what it is? Yeah. Well, that's good, because you are going to know. <laughs> and it's this. I, I really, 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 really do not like suffering or hardship. Uh, I really don't. Not in any way, shape or form. It is, in my opinion, just bad. And um, I, I realise it's something I also want to try and avoid at almost all costs. And if I absolutely have to suffer for some extraordinary reason, uh, I want that suffering to be as small as is humanly possible, and then I want it to end as quickly as possible, and then I want to forget about it as soon as I, as soon as I can. That's my sort of general approach towards Suffering, I, I realise at a gut level, I don't really believe there's anything good about suffering. Uh, you know, intellectually probably you can make a case, but at a gut level, pure human gut level, no, there's nothing good. You have to put your life on hold to deal with this problem. Oh boy, that's just a nightmare to deal with. And it's just, it doesn't offer anything, it's just, you know, something you want to get rid of. And the reason I feel like this it's because, in this regard anyway, I am normal. <laughs> Just reassuring myself. <laughs> yeah, we all feel like this. I mean, it's not complicated, is it? Suffering, bad. Uh, comfort, good. I'm sorry that you're suffering, by the way, this side. Apologies for that. At least you're, I'll stick with this side. This is comfort. <laughs> yeah, suffering, bad. We just don't like it. That's the human uh, instinct we all have. Now, the problem though with much of what I have just said, not all of it, but much of it is this. The Word of God doesn't seem to agree with me. And that is awkward when you're in that sort of place. <clears throat> no, uh, as we've seen, the Word of God seems to have a very different perspective on this whole issue of suffering. So as we read, it says extraordinary things like, we rejoice in our suffering. Yeah. No! What are you talking about? No! That's what? And then it says, count it all joy when you meet trials of many kinds. What is this? Extraordinary. It says, 
Elsewhere in the New Testament, it says, be patient in affliction. I've got to tell you, I am not patient in affliction at all. I, I, I just am very impatient. It, it says here, we should endure suffering. I don't want to endure suffering. I want it to go away. Don't you? Oh, yeah, of course we do. And of course, the New Testament also reminds us that Jesus suffered and that we follow him and we are also included in his sufferings. Ooh. Jesus said this, in this world, you will have many problems. Wow. Well, what that tells me is that the Bible and I are in very different places. The Bible thinks this, but I do not. I think, think something pretty different. So, uh, as many of you will know, the last three years have been um, quite challenging for me. And uh, there have been a number of trials and difficulties that uh, at times have left me in a pretty bad place, if I'm honest. And over that time, as I'm sure you can imagine, I have been reading the scriptures, and I've been reading scriptures like this. And I have to tell you that there have been some heated discussions between me and God about the content of this work. Well, I say heated between me and God. God seems to be okay with it. It's me getting heated. <laughs> it's me. Oh, what? And um, I, I think what I've discovered is I am shocked at just how deeply I believe that suffering is just appalling. And that in my opinion, God should not allow it. That's honestly, that view rages to the surface uh, at times. And this idea that the scriptures here, that we should somehow rejoice over our suffering. I mean, what is that? I've said, God, I think that's perverse. Have, haven't you? Don't you think that on one level? No, you don't clearly get just me. Right. Oh, well, that puts me in a good place. No, so it seems that the view I hold at quite a deep level in my being is very unbiblical. It doesn't agree with what God says. And I think if you're honest, you're probably on my side. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of people are honest over there, that's yeah. why. Yeah, you share this perspective. But the thing about these words is that they are God's words. Yeah. And therefore, they are full of divine wisdom. And you know, we'll do really well if we look at these words, we study them, and we learn from them. And actually, what I'd like to do today is I would like to challenge your position, or our position, over suffering. I'd really like us to be shaped by the Word of God. I'd like it to come in and challenge some, to be honest, some immaturity amongst us. So, um, what have I learned then from these scriptures in the last few years? Okay, well, look, I'm not going to do some kind of comprehensive talk on suffering today. That's a big subject. And I do appreciate, I, I'm, I'm just going to touch on a tiny bit of it. There are mysteries involved with suffering. The big theological brains over the years have tried to look at this subject and they've been overwhelmed by it. So I'm just going to look at three things that are, uh, relate to me. And I really hope that just the, the few things that I can share with you will help to equip you for times of suffering that some of you will face, in fact all of us will face. And maybe it might even help some of you who have been through times of suffering to make sense of it, or a little bit more sense of it. Okay, so I've got the three basic points. The first one is this, 
that suffering produces. That's what we see in Romans 5. Suffering produces. In other words, the painful or the difficult circumstances that you go through are not pointless. They're not pointless. There is nothing more demoralizing than going through a really tough situation and also thinking nothing good will come out of this at the end. That's an extra burden that we carry, if you see what I mean. But actually the word of God doesn't say that. Look what it says. It says, in God's economy, your suffering will produce something good. Then we see that in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, including your rubbish experiences, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's really important to see. Actually, that one thing on its own, I believe, can just help turn the dial a little bit on your understanding. God is at work in you. Very difficult, though, to see that in the height of your pain. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the midst of something and it's really bad and it's really hurting, I don't care that God's at work. All I want is the pain to go away. Yeah. That's all I want. And somebody telling me, oh, well, God's got a great purpose. I don't know. It doesn't work for me at that time. So it's really important that we see this either before or after the event, because then we'll be able to take it on. But I doubt we will uh, at the time. Now, we need to see that your suffering, the suffering that you go through, is not empty and worthless, which is generally how most of us see it. This is just worthless and it's stopping me getting on with the thing that I really want to do. We don't see a good thing uh, coming out of it. So, so this scripture tells us that God is at work in your awful experiences. Not causing it, but he is using it for good. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, that's the first point. Second point is this. Now bear with me. Suffering doesn't produce character. Suffering doesn't produce character. According to the Romans 5 scripture, what is it that produces character? Endurance. Endurance, therefore, is the key to the formation of character in our lives. Now that, that changed my view, because some, somewhere along the line, I just picked up the phrase, well, suffering is good for the soul. You know, I mean, that's a phrase that's bad. Suffering's good for you, isn't it? Well, that's not quite what that, this scripture is saying. It's saying that suffering gives you the opportunity to endure. And it's endurance that will produce the character within you. Now, that's really important for us to understand. Because who here knows someone who's gone through a terrible experience and they've just come out bitter and angry? Yeah. I've met people like that. I remember uh, years ago meeting um, a lady who had gone through a very difficult divorce. And she was so bitter towards her husband. In fact, not just her husband, all men as a result of it. And I've met guys who are the, are the inverse of that as well. Yeah, it's very possible for us also to go through a tough experience and to come out bitter and angry. So how do we avoid that? How do we avoid going the bitter, angry route? And how do we turn it round and go the character and joy and hope route? 
Do you see what I mean? How do we, how does that happen? Because that's what the scripture is telling us. Yeah, this is what it should produce. Endurance should produce character, character, hope. But actually, you know, we could slip the other way. So how do we avoid that? Well, I think when we begin to look particularly at this James scripture, I think it becomes clear that in the midst of your pain, you have to make a decision. It's a tough thing. In the midst of your pain, the Bible says we have to let something happen. We have to allow something to occur. In other words, we have to give permission for something to go on. In other words, that also means that you and I have a very powerful decision that we can make that seems to me is going to directly affect the outcome of our suffering in us. So what is it that we have to give permission to? Well, this is what the Bible tells us to do. Let, so allow steadfastness to have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete. You've got to allow steadfastness to have its full effect. Now that's a bit like a fridge magnet scripture though. Yeah. Don't you think? That's the sort of thing we'd stick on our wall and say, woo! And then somebody would ask us, what does that mean? And we'd say, well, um, well, good things. <laughs> what does it actually mean? What does it mean to give endurance permission to do its thing in our life? Does it just mean, don't give up? Well, yeah, I think partly it does, but I think it's more than don't just give up. And to understand the extra bit, we again need to look at the James Scripture. What's the context of this James Scripture? Well, it's this. We know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, this is important to understand. So this scripture is saying, this is about the enduring in our faith. It's not about how much pain can you endure. So it's not saying, have you been in pain for 10 years? Wow, you must be full of character. I don't think it's saying that. It's not saying that. So we're being urged here to endure in our faith in the midst of difficult, trying circumstances. Now, I think we need to ask another question at this point. Why do we have to endure in our faith in the midst of difficulties? You would have thought that our faith would be the very thing that would have comforted us in the midst of our suffering, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd say, oh God, I cling to you because I love you and you're going to help me. So why is the scriptures telling us you've got to endure in your faith, endure in your faith in the midst of suffering? I'd suggest this, we have to endure in our faith in the midst of suffering because suffering seems to contradict everything that we know is true about God. Suffering seems to contradict everything that we know and believe is true about God. Let me give you an example. Okay, this is an example from my life. So I believe this about God. See if you agree with me. God is good. Yes. God loves me. Yes. God is kind. Yes. God is all-powerful. He can do anything he wants. Yes. And when I became a Christian, and you became a Christian, we entered into a father-child relationship. So you are his son or his daughter. Do you believe that? Yes. Good. We would have been in trouble at the church if you didn't. 
<laughs> they are five really important fundamental truths about God. He loves you, he is good, he is kind, he is all-powerful, and we are in a father-child relationship. Fundamental truths, wonderful. About three years ago, I hit a situation that was really difficult for me. And despite asking him again and again to deal with the situation, to reveal it, to take the pain away, to, to somehow turn it round, he didn't on that occasion. Now that was a shock to me because I am used to God breaking in. I think that when I first started work, I can remember I was first few days probably in, in the publishing world, I had a terrible morning. And I can remember going into the loo, locking the door, and crying out to God at lunchtime, just saying, God, help me, this is a terrible morning. And I had a fantastic afternoon. The afternoon was far better than the morning was bad. And I can remember going away saying, you turned that round for me, didn't you, that day? I cried out to you and instantly you came, turned the day, broke in, turned the day around. Think of another situation. It's the early 2000s-ish. I'm, uh, I'm working in uh, Croydon, in the publishing world, and I'm asked to set up a, a thing called a website for our newspaper. Back in the days when a website was a quite new novel thing. And uh, I was working with this technical team, and honestly, it was going really badly, this project. And I was getting more and more stressed about it. Uh, just, God, this is awful, Lord. And I would come down extra early each morning, and I would cry out, sometimes on my face, God, help me, help me. And sometimes I'd get in the car and I'd be weeping as I'm thinking about this, uh, the, the tension surrounding this uh, project. So I do this for about two and a half weeks. And at the end of the two and a half weeks, I come downstairs and I sit down and I'm just about to start and it feels like Jesus enters the room. I didn't see anything, but it feels like the atmosphere in the room completely changes. And it feels like Jesus has just walked in and sat in the chair opposite me. Doesn't say anything, it's just silent for 15 minutes and this sense of peace that fills that room was amazing. It felt like a warm blanket came round me. And I then just begin to, oh, just begin to say, right. I can remember I had to go to Coventry that day to do an interview, drove off to Coventry, did the interview, got back in the car to drive home, and the same sense of his presence fills the car again. Oh, yeah, what you are really here. From that day on, everything starts to click into place. The technical team begins to talk a language I can understand. They, which is quite a thing. And um, they, we end up producing a product that's very acceptable, very good price at the right uh, time. God suddenly turned things around. I am used to God breaking into and turning my difficult situations upside down. He does that kind of stuff, doesn't he? Many of you, I'm sure, would say, yeah, I've known times like that. Three years ago, that's not happening. That's not happening. And uh, I am saying, but God, you love me. You, I, you care for me. You, you're good. You're kind. You're powerful. I'm asking. I'm going up to Noel Park, checking that no one's around. And I am shouting at God, can you not hear me? Why are you not breaking in? Why are you not turning around? 
as time is going on, I am getting more and more angry with God, if I'm honest with you. I'm beginning now to doubt that God is good, that God is kind, that, that God loves me, that, that he is all-powerful. If you were all-powerful, you would have done something about this situation by now, I reason. Um, and if you loved me, you would have rescued me. I would have rescued my child by now. I mean, just fierce stuff is coming out of me at this, at this stage. In fact, it gets worse. And I say things that I know that go over the limit. I say things, I think you're sadistic because of who you are. I think you're all mouth and no action. And I'm falling at times into despair and fear and doubt. I'm not proud of this stuff. Then I realize what I'm saying. And I think, I've just accused God of being evil. I've sinned. And I say, God, I'm so sorry. I realize what I've done. I've just accused you of things that I should not be accusing you of. But that's honestly what's coming up uh, inside of me. And then I confess the truth and I come to him, I kind of dust myself off to go, no, this is true, you are loving, you are good, you are all powerful, you are uh, 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 my father. And, 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 and I wrestle then, and there is a fierce wrestle within me at that point. And I am wrestling with my feelings and my circumstances, which are shouting at me, these things are not true. And, and the word of God that says, oh yes they are. The word of God says he loves you, he's kind, he is uh, all powerful. You know, those five things, all of those are solidly true. The word. And the question for me is, which one is gonna win? Which one's gonna win? Are my circumstances gonna win? Can I, and sometimes they do. Some days they do. And other days I think, no, that's wrong. There were three weeks back there when I had a script. And I had to, multiple times in the day, I had just to read out this script, say, God loves me, he is for me. I can cast my cares upon him because he does care for me. He said he would never leave me or forsake me. I've had to go through that. Sometimes with my emotions shouting at me, I've had to read it in the face of my emotions. Who's gonna win? That's the question, who's gonna win? I think for me, when I look back on that, time, I realise that's the process of trying to remain steadfast. And my discovery of about steadfastness is this, it's absolutely littered with failure. It's not a beautiful, clear, clean thing. It's failure, success, failure, failure, success, failure, failure, success, success. The Bible says that as we remain steadfast in our faith, that will produce character in you. It doesn't say how, it just says that's what happens. And it's probably not gonna be pretty, certainly not in my case. We have to let endurance do its work. We can't short circuit the system. We have to let it do its work. We have to hold to the word of God and not hold to our emotions and the circumstances. Question for you, which one is gonna win in your life? See, the temptation is to let go, isn't it? To say, oh, blow you, God. I'm gonna sit here in my misery and ignore you until I can't ignore you anymore. But no, I'm, I'm gonna sit here and just say, ah! And just let go of our faith. 
But the Bible is telling us, no, enduring in your faith is key to the formation of character in you. So don't give up. Let steadfastness have its full effect. It's not easy. It will mean you fail, but it's okay to fail, I have discovered. It's okay. You dust yourself off, you bring yourself before God, you repent for what you've done wrong, and you confess the truth, and you push on again. That's what endurance looks like. It's not in a constant glory. Well, it's certainly not in my case, anyway. <laughs> if it was in yours, I'd like to hear from you. Okay, point three, then, is this. Suffering refines us like nothing else. That's a, a furnace going on there. Something is being, I assume, refined. Metal is being refined. Suffering refines us like nothing else. You see, why does God permit suffering? See, he's God, after all, isn't he? He's God. And he could just say, I have decided that there will be now no suffering in any of my children from today on. Boom! And we could wake up in the morning and say, I, I don't suffer anymore. Is that amazing? I mean, let's be honest. Isn't that what we want? We want a nice, comfortable, suffering-free life. Thank you very much. I live in Seven Oaks, and that's what I expect. <laughs> <laughs> Suffering is for all those other people that live in those other places. <laughs> but he doesn't do that, does he? God doesn't give us a suffering-free life. Why not? Why doesn't give God give us when he has the capacity to do it? That's what I've struggled with. You have the capacity to do something that you're not doing, that I desperately want. Why are you not doing it? I think the answer is this. One of the answers anyway. I think he greatly values character and the formation of character in our lives. And the simple truth is this. Actually, only suffering will get to some things in your heart that need changing and refining. I'm afraid. Jesus is the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Awesome. The Bible says he was made perfect through suffering. Jesus had to go through suffering. Well, with all due respect, looking out here, you know, if he needed it, we certainly do. God tests us. Did you know that? God tests you. If you are a disciple of Jesus, God will test you. We see that both in the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, uh, the, the children of Israel were in the desert. They cry out for food. God sends manna. And he says, yeah, but only gather this amount. And then there's one line that's afterwards said, God did this to test them, to see if they would be obedient. And we know, of course, that they weren't. Now, why did God test them? God doesn't need the information. He's God. He knows this stuff. But they did. He tested them to help them see what was in them. God tests you to help you see what's in you. Because we don't know. And actually, sometimes it's only suffering that suddenly well, our hearts open and we think, good gracious, am I like that? I thought I was perfect. And I've discovered, oh. And we see it in the New Testament. So um, Jesus is about to feed the 5,000. He turns around to his disciples and he says, you feed them. There's a little line in there that just says this. He did this to test them. 
What was he testing in the disciples? He was testing to see whether they had faith for provision. Yeah. And the answer was no, because they went, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so Jesus steps in and does it. So they went away, those disciples, thinking, we didn't have faith for that. Why didn't we have faith for that? How do we get faith for that? Lord, help me to grow in faith for provision. Yeah. They were going to need that. God tests us. Something that Job completely understood. When you think of suffering, who do you think of? Job, in the Old Testament. Goes through this appalling experience. I mean, his, everyone he loves is dead. He is, his health is ripped away from him. We find him sitting on a bunch of pottery, scraping boils off his arm. It's not a happy sight, is it? But he says this, he understands this thing about testing, because he says, when he has tested me, I shall come out as gold. I shall come out as gold. God's after the gold in your life. He's drawing the gold out of you. He's doing this thing to you, which is what suffering is about. You see, he wants the gold more than he wants to give you an easy life. So the thing we're crying out for, God, give me an easy life, is like saying, God, keep me immature. And God's saying, no, I love you too much. I won't be doing that. So we're told as well not to be surprised by the fiery trials that will come, as it says, to test us. But we are, aren't we, every time there's a fiery trial that we think, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. Why is that there? Don't be surprised by the fiery trials. And hopefully in time, and I can't say I'm at this point yet, we will begin to see just how valuable this thing called character is in our lives. The honest truth is, I don't think I have, and at times still do. Yeah. I would prefer comfort over suffering. But you see, the New Testament writers clearly had a different view of it, because they said, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds, because of what it's going to produce. This thing called character and hope is going to make you perfect and complete in Christ. And they will say, oh, that's the thing I really want. So bring on the suffering. Well, not bring it on, but it's okay when it happens. Because we know that gives us the opportunity to, to endure. And endurance will do its work. And it will produce the thing we really want. As I say, I'm not there yet. I still prefer my comfort, if I'm honest. Um, but I'm a work in progress, like we all are. Those are my three points. I hope they're helpful. Yeah. I hope they're giving you... I hope just to change your perspective on suffering. And as I say, there are mysteries in suffering. And we look at the examples of some suffering and think, what on earth? I can't understand why that's allowed. But the Bible does give us some principles here in our lives we can look at. See, God is wanting to mature us. Did you want to carry big gifting? Do you want to see mighty miracles? Do you want to see people healed? Well, then you need the character to carry it. And God loves you too much to give you big gifting without the character. That's not always true. I mean, I guess Samson's an example. But generally, I think that's true. God gives us the character to carry it. 
I'd like us to respond this morning. I wonder if I could ask the band to come back up. As I was um, thinking about this response section and praying about it, I just felt the word confusion come to mind. And I think there are probably lots of people here today who have been confused about periods of suffering in your life. And uh, I think this morning is an opportunity to freshly come before God, to recognize any hurt or anger that you have towards others or towards God. Maybe there's something else that's really struck you from this morning, and you know you just need to do some business with God. Well, this morning's your opportunity. Maybe, maybe actually for some of you, it's just a recognition that God does permit and use suffering in your life. He does. Maybe you're under the impression that that would never happen to you as a Christian. No, I'm sorry, but that's not the case. But it's very clear that he does allow these things. And maybe just a mind shift is needed in you. I want to suggest it will help you mature in Christ if you're able to make that shift. So we're going to sing a song. Just before we sing it, I just want to remind you of this. That your Heavenly Father loves you passionately, deeply, profoundly. That He is kind and He's good. And He is all-powerful. And He does know how much you can take. And He will stop it when it needs to. And He's a great dad, you know. He loves to give you good things. That is who we love and serve. But even in the context of that, he does allow these suffering moments in your life. But the context is, he is passionately for you. So why don't we stand? And if there's stuff you need to do, uh, just in terms of getting stuff right, asking God to forgive you, maybe you've said some things about God that you need to repent of, just want to encourage you to make good use of this time. Let's see.